Redesigned. 95% of the population are reacting to life. They're not really living at all. Okay, and would you call that one of the barriers to success? Oh, there's no question about it. I think there's two barriers. Success is a funny word. Nightingale had a great definition for it. He said a person's successful if they know where they are, and they know where they're going, and they're progressively moving in that direction. He said that success was the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Anyone that has a goal, and they're moving towards it, they're successful. <clears throat> Most people think that you're successful if you have a lot of money. Quite often you have a lot of money if you're successful, but it isn't. I wouldn't say Mother Teresa has a lot of money. Okay. No, but she's a pretty successful lady. And that was your Monday morning motivation from Bob Proctor. If you don't know who Bob Proctor is, one of the big names in personal development. Definitely inspired me throughout my journey in the last uh, five to ten years. So yeah, welcome back to another episode of the Redesign Podcast. In this week's podcast, Google knows your dirty little secrets. How much does Google actually know about you? Facebook Cafe is coming to London this month. Why? A group of MPs want to ban hands-free phone calls while driving. And also, we reveal a revolutionary app that will give you a quick medical checkup just from a 30-second video selfie. All of this coming up after the intro. Are you sure you can blame it on social media? Election is good for business. Spending money makes you money. Bitcoin down more than 30% this week. Redesigned. You've got to put in the effort every single day. Running a business isn't for everyone. They need role models and not just movie stars and athletes. We are the digital influencers. They're creating content. There's no denying the power of digital media, but it also poses a real challenge. Welcome back to another episode of the Redesign Podcast. This is episode 40. My name is Andrew, aka Mr. Kate Box, and welcome to another episode. Big shout out to everyone who's been leaving the reviews on Apple Podcasts. Really appreciate it. Shout out to Rizzy123 and shout out to Ads Tanner for the five-star reviews. Really appreciate it. If you've been a listener of the show and you haven't yet left a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, I invite you to do so would really appreciate it helps the podcast get found by more people uh, yeah it just looks good when you've got all those lovely five star reviews okay so let's get cracking with this week's podcast Facebook cafes coming to London Costa or Starbucks what do you prefer Costa or Starbucks I love a bit of Costa me so according to Engadget Facebook are kind of pivoting on privacy facebook are shuffling right now they're sweating so they're kind of fighting back against the perception that they don't care about protecting users data so they've confirmed that they're going to be opening a number of pop-up cafes where visitors can actually get privacy checkups so the idea is that you bring in your laptop or your phone and then it will show you how to use the privacy settings so anyway five facebook cafes are going to open throughout the uk with the first being in London at Great Eastern Street on the 28th of August and the 29th so um, at the cafes they're going to be offered free drinks if they take part in a privacy 
checkup. So the point of the checkup is going to show users, as I mentioned before, how to customize their Facebook privacy settings. And that will be at the attendant coffee bar, Great Eastern Street in London. So that's going to be the first London venue. Um, I don't know where the other ones are going to be, but if you look it up, Facebook cafes or Facebook pop-up cafes, you'll find where they're going to be at. So Facebook are trying to uh, clean up their mess after that Cambridge Analytica documentary on Netflix. Did you watch that, by the way? I left a link to it in a, a previous podcast episode. I think it was two episodes ago. Really good documentary. You should check it out. It's called The Great Hack. Yeah, Facebook's reputation has definitely been damaged. And recently I've been seeing a lot of um, things about Facebook adding their name to their other products. So Instagram, WhatsApp, and also a workplace by Facebook. So like a co-working space. I didn't even know that Facebook owned that. But yeah, interesting times for social media. Moving on. Mm. A group of MPs want to ban hands-free kits. So according to BBC, drivers could be banned from using hands-free mobile phones, a group of MPs have suggested. The current laws give the misleading impression that hands-free options are safe, they warned. So while it's been illegal to use a handheld phone at the will since 2003, using a hands-free device creates the same risks of collision, the Commons Transport Select Committee said. Yeah, you've definitely got to be careful out there. Um, police are also on buses, on the top decks of buses, watching people and filming people. So never give in to the temptation to use your phone while driving. You're definitely being watched. Um, surveillance out here is mad. Sometimes we, a lot of people say, how are they going to police this? There's not enough police on the roads. But trust me, you're not seeing police cars. Police are sitting on the bus watching you guys. So... Um, yeah be careful out there but it's a bit mad though like how can using a hands-free kit be more dangerous than screaming children in the back like should we not drive with kids in the back should we not talk to passengers should we not use maps because then you can't use sat nav because what's that once you've programmed it and you're listening to it that's hands-free right you're listening to it and you're looking at the map so it's not making no sense I don't know, like, I think these politicians haven't got anything better to do. There's a homelessness crisis. There's lots of other things going on. We're looming on a recession and they're thinking about hands-free kits. Like, cars are dangerous in general. Like, I'm not being funny. Um, that's just my opinion. Like, I don't think that using a hands-free is going to cause any issue unless you're actually not paying attention on the road. Like, if you sneezed or you had like hay fever and you were driving you had a sneezing fit isn't that more likely to cause a crash or if you're driving with like sandals or slippers and it and it slips off your, your foot isn't that more dangerous I don't know I don't know maybe I'm oversimplifying it I don't know let me know what your thoughts are don't forget if you want to get involved in the conversation use the hashtag redesign pod the phone has replaced a lot of things but I never thought I'd see this coming. There is a crisis here in the UK with GP waiting times and the NHS are under a lot of pressure and people aren't able to see their GPs as quickly as they once were able to. It's a bit mad out here, but um, yeah, technology is here to save the day again, potentially. I know a lot of the times we kind of demonise technology, 
with technology, obviously, there's two sides of the coin. There's the good and there's the evil. But a lot of the times, you know what? Technology is making our lives easier. Imagine a GP in your pocket. Um, a crew of boffins. Yeah, I said boffins. <laughs> if you don't know what a boffin is, Google it. So a crew of boffins at the University of Toronto have recently discovered a new way to monitor our health. So I'm not just talking about your heart rate. I'm talking about monitoring things such as blood pressure, cardiovascular health and your risk of heart attack, stroke and more. Now, the sickest thing about this is that it's not invasive at all. It uses artificial intelligence by analysing a selfie. Yes, a selfie, a video selfie, though. Now, the groundbreaking mobile app known as Anura provides users with a health profile similar to what you kind of see when you're uh, looking at your Experian credit report. So it's got a listing of like your physical age, your BMI, it can analyze your blood pressure, uh, your stress levels. So how does it work? Now you open up the app and you capture a 30 second video of your face. So the app uses a technology called transdermal optical imaging which captures the light that kind of bounces off the outer layers of your skin and is able to detect changes of blood flow in your face. So it does all of that by analysing the video selfie that you've uploaded to the um, to their servers. So it uses the phone's video camera to extract and send encrypted blood flow information, so not the actual video or photo, to the cloud to be processed by their deep effects effective intelligence engine. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Um, the app can then generate a comprehensive report of your physical and emotional well-being currently with up to 96% accuracy with specific tests. So the app is available on both Android and Apple iOS in the US, but we will probably trickle out to the rest of the world in due course. Could we be moving towards a future where medical tests are way less invasive with less needles and uncomfortable scans? Only time will tell. It's a, it's a good look for medical technology. Um, I can only imagine a future where um, like it'd be, a, it'd be a lot easier to like monitor your health and be proactive about things. things that make you go, hmm. Did you know that YouTube was originally a dating site? My word. Yes, YouTube was originally a dating site when they first started. They even had the slogan, tune in and hook up. The idea was for single people to make videos introducing themselves and saying what they were looking for in a potential partner, but they struggled and in their desperation, even resorted to offering people $20 to upload a video. So they were like kind of posting adverts on Craigslist to try and encourage people to um, use their website and try and get some traction, but that flopped. But it's a good thing, though, because look where they are now. They made a good pivot. Cat videos and randomness really helped them become the powerhouse they are today. It all worked out in the end, didn't it? What we gonna do right here is go back. Way back. Back into time. Thanks to my Atari telephone modem, my computer can call other computers... And I can get information on practically anything. Look at this list. You're an idiot. Maybe the most addictive toy in history, and it's definitely the hottest thing this Christmas. Nintendo video games. They first arrived from Japan 
uh, three years ago, and now millions of American kids are hooked and mesmerized. When they do stop to talk, it's in a language only they understand. Well, John Stossel went out to discover the secret of Nintendo's success. Redesigned. Don't forget, if you want to get involved in the conversation, use the hashtag RedesignPod, and you can follow me personally on Instagram and Twitter at Andrew underscore CBX. You can also follow the Redesigned Instagram account at RedesignPod. Um, yeah, and don't forget to follow, like, comment, subscribe, whatever platform you are listening to this podcast on. So with that being said, let's go to this week's main feature. Predicting your behavior with an absolute accuracy has been Google's quest for two decades. If they can do that, they can generate endless streams of money from advertisers and anyone else who is willing to pay for exploiting such power. Google knows a lot about us, and that justifiably has a lot of people concerned. That it's our responsibility to protect our own privacy online, then the steps that we should take include, first of all, educating ourselves as to exactly what information is being shared or being stored by whom in the online space. Google knows too much, way too much about us. Knows your dirty little secrets. Can you imagine if your internet search history was leaked? Are you okay with that? Are you comfortable with that? While I was at uni, uh, a guy called Jude, shout out to Jude, uh, introduced me to a little company called Google. These were the times of like mini disc, Bluetooth was just kind of becoming mainstream. Well, it was still new at the time. Wi-Fi was just starting out. You know, when you had to plug those uh, PCMCIA slots into your laptop just to get Wi-Fi. Like, and you had to buy a separate router and plug it into your modem. Yeah, those, those days, way, way back. Um, these times I was only interested in like free websites eBay, MSN, Yahoo Messenger. Um, so this was around like 2001, 2002. And um, probably used Yahoo for most of my searches. But anyway, we digress. But Google is now the number one search directory in the world. Well, in almost every country in the world. It owns the number one video sharing platform, YouTube. It also owns Gmail, Google Drive, Google Maps, the Android Store, the App Store, and they own lots of other products that you don't even know about or you don't even think about, including things like Waymo, the self-driving taxi service, DeepMind, which is a, a new artificial intelligence project here in the UK. They've got another thing called Verily, which is for life extension. So many different entities that are owned by YouTube that are potentially collecting information. And also, if you notice, when you go to websites like independent blogs or even just like news sites in general, you see ads for products and services. And the reason why you're, you're able to see them is because they're being served by something called Google AdSense. Yeah. So Google knows a hell of a lot of things about us. If you have a Gmail account, obviously they've got your emails. They can see your emails. Well, potentially. Not that they read your emails, but then again, who knows? They've got 
uh, Google Assistant. So you've got the potential for your conversations to be listened to. Not that they do that, but again, it's the potential. So you're, what you're saying is being recorded. Um, your images, your documents, your emails, your search history, the videos you watch, your social media activity, your location. Because look, if you're using Google Maps, your location is being recorded as well. So all this information is being stored on Google's servers. Hmm, interesting. So if you search for a particular thing, like for example, if you're searching for AirPods, when you start seeing ads for like AirPods or other Apple products, don't be surprised. You are being cookied. So a cookie is like a piece of code that lives on your um, your web browser that collects information about your activity and then whatever that activity is the, the information is stored and then passed on to um, Google servers and then website owners can actually use that information to target you with relevant advertising it's done all the time with like social media that's how it works that's how like you can be browsing on a website and put something in your cart not buy it and then two weeks later or a week later you might see adverts for the same product that you forgot to buy or just decided not to buy that's all part of the process so I'm convinced they, they read our emails as well I'm joking I'm joking they've clearly stated that they don't actually read emails it would be impossible anyway because how many Google employees are there in comparison to people with Gmail accounts it's not going to be um, not very realistic is it so what does Google actually know about you so as I mentioned before, all the different ways Google collects information, all the different products and services they've got, um, yeah, it's very easy for this information if it got to the, into the wrong hands. It could be, it could go very, very left. Not that it will, but it could. It's the potential. It's like, why does one company have so much power, so much information about? everybody on this planet let me go through a few assets that google has like let's go a little bit deeper into what kind of stuff they've got so how can google track you so if you use the chrome browser yeah every website you visited on that browser they have the information youtube any videos you've watched any videos you've uploaded that is information volunteered any locations visited or any places that you've searched for google maps yeah that's it if you've read any books online that's another thing your calendar if you use google calendar if you use waze waze is another app that google has got something to do with um i mentioned gmail products that you've searched or clicked on on google so that your your online shopping habits it knows all of this stuff so we haven't even talked about things like Google Assistant, where it's recording your voice. So it knows what you sound like. It knows what you look like. It knows what you look like potentially if you've uploaded photos. Um, and nowadays, we're now getting into the Internet of Things devices. It's going to know like how healthy you are. It's going to have your biometric data as well. It's going to know everywhere that you've been. That's if you constantly walk around with your location services on who your friends are, who you talk to, what you like and dislike, uh, your future plans. How does it know your future plans? Stuff that you've put in your calendar. 
Ah, so peak. There's a story actually where a guy shared a um a link to his search results to his colleagues at work. So he sent an email, he wanted to show something that he Googled, so he sent a direct link to the search results. But what he found was that in the URL was his previous search. So he could have been searching for a madness before searching for that thing. So when you look at the URL, it kind of tells you like what he was searching for before he searched for that um, item. So for example, I'll give you an example. So if I search for um, venues in East London, so my company wants to do an event in East London and I search for venues and I'm showing it to the rest of the team. But before that, I was searching for jobs. So my boss could have been like, wow, you were searching for jobs while you were sending us this stuff. It actually comes up in the search results. It's actually quite mad. I'm going to leave a, a link to the article that I read. It was, um, it's basically uh, an article about how Google query links can leak search history information. So uh, I'm going to leave a, a link to that in the description. Now, a lot of people, including myself, wrongly believe that putting airplane mode on your phone or turning off location services is actually going to save you or prevent you from your data being uh, exposed. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Let's go to a quick snippet from uh, CBS News about what actually goes on inside your phone, even when airplane mode and GPS and all of those things are disabled. Let's jump into that right now. Last night, in an exclusive investigation, we showed you two patents that Google has filed for. They show the company's willingness to stick a camera in your bedroom and spy on you and your children, and then, of course, use that information to sell you things. That's how surveillance capitalism works. But currently, Google doesn't have a camera in every bedroom or every home. It does have a phone in millions of people's pockets, though. And the question is, how much information is Google getting from those phones? We put a couple of our smartest producers on this, and then we send Fox News headlines anchor Brett Larson out to investigate. Watch. We know that Google is tracking us. We agree to it when we set up our phones. So we wanted to figure out what exactly Google is learning about us throughout the day. So here's what we're going to do. We have two identical phones. The only difference between these two phones is this one is in airplane mode. Both of the phones lack a SIM card, and they haven't been set up to access any Wi-Fi networks. So for all intents and purposes, these phones have no connection to a data network. We're going to keep them with us throughout the day. And while I travel around D.C., we're going to figure out just what Google is finding out about me. Our first stop, Sims Convenience Store, just outside our Fox Bureau, for a quick coffee. From there, we took a walk to the Capitol and took a quick walk around the Senate office buildings and then decided to hop in a car and head around town. Hello. We're going to the Children's Hospital, please. To run our test, we had to do more than walk the block, so we took a tour around our nation's capital. First, due north to the Children's National Medical Center Hospital, then west to St. Albans School and the National Cathedral. Our tour around town was a 14-mile journey that lasted more than an hour. The entire time, the phones had no access to the Internet. Oh, my goodness. Not a Wi-Fi connection and not any cellular data service. It almost seemed quaint to assume that Google wouldn't even be able to collect data on me. Let's head back to the bureau, my friend. Ugh. 
A church is beautiful. Google's business model is simple. Collect data on its users and then use that data to sell targeted ads. It's a business model called surveillance capitalism. But does that critical data collection work even when your phones aren't connected? So we're back here at our Fox Bureau in D.C. and we've got both of our phones exactly how we left with them. The only difference really, I snapped a couple of bad selfies at the National Cathedral. <laughs> but otherwise they have stayed in my pocket for the entire day. So let's find out what they know. This is our man in the middle device. It's basically a Wi-Fi network that these phones are gonna to connect to once we turn their Wi-Fi on. It's going to pass data through it on the way to Google but on the way, we're actually gonna get a copy of the same data that Google's gonna get. We'll be able to decrypt it and then find out where we've been throughout the day. Within minutes, the numbers rolled in. The phone that wasn't on airplane mode registered more than 100 locations, 130 activities, and even 152 barometric readings. As soon as it hooked up to our Wi-Fi, it transmitted 300 kilobytes of data straight to Google. The phone even logged our exact locations, tracking us all around town, the Capitol, the hospital, the school, and the cathedral. Now you may notice what's missing here is the exact route that we took, but it got that data too. It knows when I got out of the car. The metadata has a time log down to the very second, tracking everything when they think that you're walking, riding, and yes, even getting out of the car. Okay, so you're thinking, this isn't a big deal. I'll just put my phone in airplane mode. Yeah, we thought of that too. This is the other phone that we had with us that no SIM card also remained in airplane mode the entire time. Let's see what kind of data it captured. The phone with airplane mode activated actually logged more locations and activities than the other phone, and it also transferred hundreds of kilobytes of data to Google as soon as it was activated. The only thing that's missing from this map is our stop at the children's hospital, but it still knows we were there. There it is. Exiting vehicle, 100% accuracy. Through complicated user agreements and free software, Google gets users to sign away their privacy for nothing. They're even following you in the places that most people would expect total privacy. Government buildings, a children's hospital, a private school, a church. Every move you make, every step you take, Google is watching you. Now, in a statement to Fox News, Google told us that users who want to opt out of tracking should turn off location history. But doing that is harder than you'd think, and most of Google's apps include hidden queries that automatically sign you up for the surveillance. For now, we will continue looking into how Silicon Valley sells your privacy. But until then, just remember, when you're using a free online service, you're probably not the customer. You're actually the product. Hey, that is peak! Oh, man, it's a myth. But it is something to think about in terms of if, for example, Google gets sold to somebody or an organization that doesn't have our best interests at heart, then it could be a mad thing. Like if they've got all this information, it could, how they use it could be mad because, listen, <laughs> like Kanye said, no one man should have all that power. Let me know what your thoughts are. Do you think that Google should have all this information on us? Do you feel threatened by it? Do you feel like we're in a vulnerable place with all these tech companies having access to such private information about us? We've got really comfortable with it, to be fair. No one really thinks about all of this stuff. We just use Google. We use their products. We use Gmail without a second thought. 
about our privacy. But it's only now because it's become like a big topic that you're starting to kind of hear about it. Um, but as I said before, the main concern is whether it's dangerous or not. You've got personal information, biometric information, our vital statistics, what we're saying in the in the in the privacy, the supposed privacy of our own homes. Um, should we trust them? Let me know your thoughts. Get involved in the conversation using the hashtag RedesignPod. That is it for this week. We'll be back next Monday for another episode. Take care and bye for now. Redesigned. Redesigned.